You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 16 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. And with me, as always, Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. What's up, Brandon? Stats, great to be here with you for you know the first time this week. <laughs> Talking to you for the very first time, definitely not the second time we're recording. Nope. I don't know why you would even bring that up, because clearly it is not. Uh, We want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. You'll get our show. You'll get all the great shows we do here. We love five-star reviews. And if you give us a nice review or a mean review, to be honest, we will read it on the show. We like constructive feedback. It's all good. And we got a lot coming up. This is a huge show for us, Brandon, because we had a massive, massive upset on Monday Night Football that really changes a lot of the AFC playoff picture. So we're going to break that down. We have Trey Wingo coming up, who's going to give us about 20 minutes of his time. We're going to go sort of around the whole NFL world. We'll get into your Eagles and what they should do about Carson Wentz, the Jets and their bad win this week, and a ton of other stuff with Trey. And of course, we're going to look at the playoff picture in the AFC and the NFC. And we'll give you our survivor picks as well, because you and I are on sort of a roll when it comes to the survivor picks. We were shaky early and we have bounced back nicely. Uh, It's great to be in the lead, though, stats as I am. But I guess we should start with Monday Night Football, right? I mean, stats, you and I, you know, a little peek behind the curtain here. You know, we thought we didn't even really need to talk about this game too much, which is why in part we were comfortable recording on Monday before the game. Uh, The Steelers were 15-point favorites against the Bengals going into Monday night. And yet the Steelers have now lost their third straight game after losing to the Bengals by 10 points stats. I've been saying all year, I've been defending the Steelers all year, but no longer. They are no longer that team worth defending. They are terrible. They were terrible last night. They went three and out on seven of their first eight drives. They haven't scored more than 20 points in a month. Like, this is not just a one-game thing. This is not a speed bump anymore for the Steelers. This is like full-on red alert. And look, they're going to be in the playoffs, but things could get really dicey for them down the stretch. They have the Colts and the Browns left. Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's never seen a coverage before. He's turning the ball over left, right, and center. It was ugly for the Steelers last night. And the Bengals have looked so listless, which you'll hear me later say, hear me say later in this podcast. But they really have, you know, uh, especially without Joe Burrow. Like they just haven't looked like they've stood much of a prayer. And to get beaten that badly is just, it's such a bad look. And yeah, now you look at the AFC playoff picture. And I mean, the Steelers, you know, they could have been the one seed at once upon a time. You know, they are undefeated. Yeah. And okay, uh, they fall a little bit, but maybe they're still the number two seed. Well, right now, stats are the number three seed, and it's not even a guarantee they win the AFC North. 
which is crazy to think again because they're undefeated. If you know the Steelers lose this week, um, and then who do they have this week? Uh, the Colts. Let me say here the Colts. Yes, and then they play the Browns. And, and if they lose to the Colts, and then the Browns win this week, then it's an AFC North title game uh, in Week 17. You know the Browns have the Jets. So, I mean, should be able to win, although maybe not because the Rams didn't. Uh, <laughs> so it's crazy to think that the Browns could be here. I mean, th- this would be their first AFC North title, I believe, since 1986. It's crazy to think that we're here. This is what worries me if I'm a Steeler fan. After the game, Cam Hayward, who plays on the defensive line, said the offense needs to start faster. And that, to me, is a huge red flag. Now you've got somebody on the defense expressly and publicly calling out the offense there. That just, to me, proves that there are issues there. There's lingering resentment by the defense, and that's not good. This is not the time of the year where you want one side of the ball calling out the other side of the ball. Things are in complete disarray, and Mike Tomlin has to sort of right the ship right now because it's chaos. Yeah, you look at Ben Roethlisberger, and he's just not – he just doesn't look healthy right now. Stats the last five games, he has a passer rating of seventy-seven point five. <laughs> That's just not going to cut it. It's eight touchdowns and six interceptions. He's lost a fumble in there. Um, hasn't had a passer rating over one hundred since week ten when they played the Bengals and beat them by twenty-six points that time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Roethlisberger is not right. And it's kind of funny because it came out on Monday that like Roethlisberger wants to return for for 2021, but uh, not looking like a guy who can even finish out this year effectively, much less turn for next year. Well, and there's all the secrecy around his injury. I don't know if it was Tommy John surgery or what he had, but he had some sort of injury. He's old now. He's not a young guy. And I think that was him trying to get out ahead of of things and basically tell Pittsburgh like, Hey, don't take a quarterback in the draft or don't, you know, trade for Carson Wentz or whatever move that they want to make. I think he's trying to, you know, preemptively strike here. And if you're a Steelers fan, I think you really significantly have to spend time thinking about your quarterback situation going into 2021, because like you pointed out, it it's ugly right now. And also this year, why didn't they do more this year, right, to address the quarterback spot? Like, they had all those issues last year. They knew Roethlisberger is old. Like, really, Mason Rudolph is still the best they can do. Like, you saw, we saw him last year. Was he really inspiring or anything great? There was an unprecedented, like, quarterback market this offseason. You know, Cam was on the market. Um, Andy Dalton. Uh, Joe Flacco was out there. Like, there were guys out there. Teddy Ridge, like there are guys out there, and obviously some of those guys went for starting opportunities, and the Steelers couldn't offer that. So, you know, I'm not saying they, they were all of those guys necessarily were in play, but they they could have done something better than stick with Mason Rudolph. And now it's coming to hurt them. I mean, you know, look at look at other teams. Have, look at the Eagles did. You know, Nick Foles like making an investment in a backup quarterback can pay off, and and Steelers didn't do that. And it's not like this is a new thing for Ben. He has been banged up multiple times in the last handful of years. I mean, so it's it's you can't say that they were blindsided by this development. And by the way, I love how after the game, Ben talks about how he's not healthy. Like, is there ever a player who tells you more often when he's hurt and banged up? Like, Philip Rivers has had a thousand injuries that we never know about, and he just plays through. Every time Ben Roethlisberger is nicked, he makes sure to tell everyone how hurt he is. 
Yeah, I mean, you get, you know, you got to temper it. You got to be like, oh, well, actually, I'm fine. It's just that I'm really good. It's just, you know, that uh, <laughs> the sun was in my eyes and, you know, I just right. sore back. So I, I just couldn't be good today. And by the way, let's give the Bengals a little credit. Congratulations to them. Ryan Finley making his first NFL start. Played well, got the win. I like the little swag from from Cincinnati. You know, Juju's dancing on the logo before the game. Von Bell absolutely blows him up, causes a fumble. And, you know, they get an interception. They're high-stepping before they go out of bounds. I like the swagger. I think it really got under Pittsburgh's skin, which, you know, I wonder if that's something that maybe comes back to haunt them. Maybe opponents can see that, that Pittsburgh doesn't have, you know, quite the temperament that they need to have. Yeah, from Cincinnati's perspective, um, they didn't blow their draft position with the win. They're still third, although you know they got closer to it. Uh, although I don't, I don't expect they're going to win again. I think this Bengals team is still really bad, and the story is more about how the Steelers were bad uh, in this game. And I don't think you know this means Zach Taylor should be kept around all of a sudden. I still think he should go. I think it's uh, time for the Bengals to move on from him and and, and turn the page there. Um, wow. Yeah, as far as is that is shocking to you? <laughs> Well, you know, I, they got their quarterback now, you think. Burrow looked pretty good. You know, you got your offensive coach. Wasn't that sort of the plan in Cincinnati? First get the coach, then get the quarterback, and you're kicking them out already. Yeah, I just haven't seen the progress there. I mean, like you could maybe this is this is obviously their biggest win of the Zach Taylor era, um, but but else it's been really bad. And uh, maybe I'm just a little jaded here because of Press Taylor in Philly and not being his biggest fan as the Eagles quarterback coach. But um, but yeah, I I just think they could do better. I mean, maybe you give him one more year, but I mean, if it starts off next year and it's another slow start, I mean, then he's probably on the hot seat right away, and you're getting rid of him. So depending on what you who or who you can get this off season, uh, might make more sense to just pull the plug now um but yeah it's, it's kind of hard for me i guess to to get like big takeaways on the Bengals side uh out of this win um yeah i don't know what this changes for them in the big picture there is no tougher place to win in the entire nfl than cincinnati you have one of the cheapest owners in the league in mike brown he barely wants to invest anything in the football operations and you got to play in a division with the Steelers, who historically have had their ducks in a row. The Browns seem to be coming on strong now with Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski and the squad they got there. And the Ravens are always freaking good. Like, that is a really tough place to win. That is one of the last places I would want to be a head coach. And it's weird because they actually spent a little more, I think, this past offseason, like more than usual, more than you would have expected. So so maybe, you know, if you're a Bengals fan, you're kind of looking at that and saying like, OK, there might be some hope here. And, you know, especially, you know, Burrow going into year two uh, and coming off this injury, maybe there's a more of a push to kind of like really surround him and and really, you know, build this team around him and, and actually finally invest now. Um, but it's kind of like uh, I'll believe it when I see a situation. So that's going to cover Monday Night Football, an amazing win by Cincinnati, all sorts of problems in Pittsburgh. All right, let's do this. Let's take our break early. We'll come back. We'll have Trey Wingo, and then we'll break down the rest of the AFC playoff picture and the NFC playoff picture as well. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Oddcast. And okay, BLG, we have had some guests on this show. But I would have to say that we have not had a bigger guest than the man we are about to bring in right now. I'm pretty excited. This is somebody I got the chance to work with at ESPN back in the day. We are both now free from the clutches of Bristol. He has a new podcast out called Half Forgotten History. There's been a ton of good guests, a lot of really good stories on it. Let's welcome in Trey Wingo. Trey, good to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us. Stats, how are you, man? Great to see you again. I just want to welcome you into a very exclusive club, and that is the do not have to wake up at the ass crack of dawn club. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. It was, uh, uh, that was a, uh, yeah, it's a good club to be in. I'll just leave it at that. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot more fun uh, when the alarm doesn't go off at 345 in the morning. God, that was the worst. And I'm still feel good every day when I wake up not doing that. Like my did it for five years at ESPN. I did it for seven years at NBC. And I got to tell you, I still, it's still awesome. Like that doesn't wear off. So you're just at the beginning of it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. And I, I want to say something like that's important. I have a lot of respect for the people that can do it. Like Golik still would love to do it. And he did it for 20 plus years and all the people that work on the today show and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if, if you want to do it good for you guys, all the blessings in the world, it was just not a thing that was going to work for me. <laughs> and now you can work whenever you need to, right? Yes. Uh, flexibility is, is, is a wonderful thing. And sort of having your, your own thumbprints on what you want to do is also a lot of fun. Okay. Let me ask one more about the podcast because I've said this forever. And you know this, of course. There are two shows that take place. There are the yeah. shows that take place when the cameras are on. And there's a show yep. that takes place off the air. And the show that takes place off the air, I'm sorry, everybody, is way better than the one that goes on on the air. So that's why I think your idea for your podcast is such a good idea, because there's so much out there that people don't know. No, I, I appreciate you saying that. And that was sort of the whole point of the thing. Like, I, I had so many stories from so many great players in football and other sports as well. Uh, and, you know, a lot of these stories took place in the green room, which is where you meet before you go on the air or out to dinner when you could go out to dinner or, you know, over a cocktail at a bar when you could go to a bar. Uh, and there's so many of these things that I know and they know, but not everybody knows. So the whole point of Half Forgotten History, you can get it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, my YouTube channel, Trey Wingo Presents, wherever you want to find it, my Twitter, Instagram, uh, is telling those stories with some of these people. Like we just dropped Aqib Tlaib today and he finally revealed why he decided to yank that chain off of Michael Crabtree's neck, not once, but twice. Uh, it's pretty good. So uh, that, that's the kind of fun stuff about it. Uh, we got a, a couple more coming up. And thanks to my sponsors, State Farm, McDonald's, and Maker's Mark. They've really jumped in on this thing, and we're looking forward to doing a lot of these things going forward. Love the sponsor plug right there. 
uh, tra- you know, transitioning to some of the big NFL stories, obviously, uh, coming out of week 15. One of the biggest things was before the games even got started, there was a report on ESPN, which both of you sound very uh, fond of and don't have any trauma associated with that at all. Um, uh, you know, Adam well, Schefter. Oh, 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 time out. TV, time out. TV. Before we go down to Carson <laughs> I have no ill will towards anybody at ESPN. I want to be 100% clear on that. I'm serious. I, I, I wish them all the success in the world. It just – it just, I wanted to do something else. So anyway. For sure. Um, I'm just teasing. Uh, I know. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Uh, report comes yeah. out from Adam Schefter on Sunday morning. Now, obviously, we're starting here. I'm an Eagles writer for BleedingGreenNation.com. So, sure. and Stats always accuses me of talking about the Eagles too much. So, it's only right that I, uh, so that I do this here. <laughs> it's on my brain. Uh, so, you know, Schefter comes out with this report that basically Carson Wentz doesn't want to play for the Eagles if Jalen Hurts is going to continue to be the starter. And I think everyone's reaction to that was like, no duh. Like no one wants to yeah. be the backup. But I guess the thing that I would say, Trey, and I want to get your thoughts on this is like, there's a difference between Carson Wentz feeling like that privately behind the scenes and expressing that within the building, the, the Eagles facility. And another thing, probably I'm assuming to have Carson Wentz's agency leak that to Adam Schefter and then put that out there. What were your thoughts on it? Well, you're right. There's two different things. Everyone wants to play. So I have no problem with Carson Wentz saying, hell, I'd rather play than sit and hold a clipboard. I mean, obviously, you I mean, as our friend Herm Edwards says, you play to win the game. Hello. I mean, that's the whole point. Um, so I have no issue with him not wanting to be a backup. Then the question becomes, well, why did that story come out and who leaked that story? Because that frames everything, right? If it's, if it's the Eagles leaking that, then they're clearly sending a message that, okay, maybe it's, he needs to understand that may, it may be time for him to move on. Or if it's his people leaking that, then it's a different story, right? Then it's him trying to leverage himself to find a better place to play if he doesn't think it's going to be uh, in Philadelphia. So you always have to trace it back to why is that information out there? And Boston is notorious for this, right? Whenever, whenever a Boston player is about to leave, it's amazing how ama- uh, incredibly consistent they are in trashing those guys when they want to walk out the door. It's like it, a clockwork, you know, Red Sox player once, well, he was never really good. And you hear that all the time. So the question then becomes, where is that information coming from? Cause I don't believe, I don't doubt the veracity of it, but who's putting it out there and what do they have to gain to do it? So you're right. Everybody should want to play. I have no problem with that, but is it Carson leaking it? Is it Carson's people leaking it or is it someone inside the organization leaking it? Because those are three very different things, which lead to very different questions about why that information is out there. But to me, it's got to be Carson's people leaking it because that only hurts his trade value if other teams are like, oh, he just, he's not going to stay there anyway. So to me, it has to be Carson's side, no? Well, I mean, more than likely. But then the other part of this is, that's not going to hurt his trade value. The contract is going to hurt his trade value. I mean, that's, that, that's the, 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 the overriding issue with whether Carson will stay or be traded is, is someone going to want to take on that contract or how much are they willing to, how much are the Eagles willing to take a dead cap hit because of that situation. So what you're saying is correct, but at the end of the day, that contract is going to dictate whether or not this, this trade eventually happens or they find a way to get something more manageable for both sides. Yeah, I think they, I, I, at this point, I, I almost just think the door is closed on Carson Wentz. I just, I, I find it, I mean, and now we'll see here how Jalen Hurts does, you know, in the, or the the final two weeks of the regular season here. If he's the starter, Doug Peterson committed him to the starter for week 16, but wouldn't do it for week 17, even though we all know Jalen Hurts right. will be starting. Um, yeah, but but, so, but see, here's the thing, right? Like, I, I, I understand why you, you're intrigued about 
Jalen Hurts, and he looked great in the win mm-hmm. and also looked pretty good in the loss. It's two games. Like, it's two games. So, I mean, like, in 2017, Carson Wentz was an MVP. And then in the back half of 2018, he was pretty good. And then in the end of last year, with nobody around him, he was really good down the stretch. So I, I get that we're all enamored with Jalen Hurts right now, but it's a way, in my opinion, it's way too small of a sample size to make some sort of judgment on a guy that you've already deemed as your franchise quarterback with the contract you gave him. So the question then becomes, okay, because there's a micro and a macro here, right? The micro is we got to find a way to maybe stay in this thing. And amazingly, everyone in the NFC East is still in this thing with two weeks to play. That's the micro. The macro is, can we fix Carson Wentz? And that's going to be an off-season problem. That's not going to be an in-season problem. That's a whole thing where we got to we got to strip it down to the studs like you're buying a house and you want to flip it and start all over again. Yeah, it's a messy situation though in that regard. Just because like if you keep them um, on the roster past the third day of the league year this year, like you're committing money into 2022. So it's almost Correct. like you're picking between having him not at all anymore, like zero years or two years. There's not really like a one year commitment here. So that's I guess, like the tricky thing. And I, I totally agree on the, the Hertz point of the sample size is so small. I guess my thing is like, you don't necessarily, do you have to know necessarily that Hertz is 100% the answer because he's on such a cheap rookie deal. You're not like making well, this big commitment to him. That's the point. I mean, like you, you don't have to do anything because you, I mean, he wasn't even a first round pick. He was a second round pick. So his contract's not going to be an issue. There's going to be a way for them to survive uh, financially with both those guys on the roster. The question is, and you know, Carson apparently from things you've heard is was still a little finicky about the whole Nick Foles situation, which I can understand on some level, but at the end of the day, put on your big boy pants and figure it out. I mean, Philadelphia, as you well know, if you're a Philly fan, they don't care about any of this crap. They just want to see if you can go play, fix it, deal with all the other stuff. I mean, be mentally tougher than that. Let's get to the other quarterback from that draft class because everyone is killing the jets today because they won the game. And I think the Rams- is so dumb. It's so dumb. I'm, I hate that. I just hate that. Like, you think Adam Gase is going to be there if they tank? Of course not. You think all those coaching staffs going to be there if they tank? Of course not. So while it may be, in a fan's perspective, the greatest thing in the world to go get Trevor Lawrence, and there are a lot of people that I respect saying this is the worst thing that ever happened in Jets history. Let's just go back a year. Now, I get it. I get it. The Jets are the Jets, right? Their track record and resume on this is lengthy. Like, their strength of schedule, for lack of a better term, on sucking is really, really good. But just a year ago in that same division – what are the Dolphins? What were they supposed to do? Well, we got to tank for Tua. We got to do all this stuff. And Brian Flores and Chris Greer, the GM, said, F that. And they went out there and they got the most out of those players. In fact, they went up week 17 last season in Foxborough with Fitzmagic as their quarterback and knocked the Patriots into the wild card weekend. What Brian Flores did last year established the culture that is making the Miami Dolphins be what they are this year. And they ended up with Tua anyway. I get it. I understand it. You tank for this, do for that, you know, suck for luck, all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you still have to go try and win football games. And one player, Sam Darnold was the guy just two, three years ago that you took in the first round. So I don't care who it is. If you don't build a team around somebody, it's never going to work anyway. And see, that's the conversation that's being had is the Jets, the Jets, the Jets the Rams lost to the winless Jets. Jared Goff, the other quarterback from that Wentz draft, lost to the Jets. Like, we are not pounding the Rams enough for an inexplicable loss when they had everything in the world to play for. No, you're 100% right. Uh, The only only way you can describe that is, well, the other guys get paid too, and I I wouldn't wish 0-16 on my worst enemy. 
Like literally, that has to be just abject misery. And at some point, it just gets so frustrating. And I'm not excusing the Rams. I'm not, I'm not saying they absolutely should have won the game for a million different reasons. But at some point, the other guys are pros too, and there is something called pride. Nobody wants to go 0-16, even though it's happened twice. And it, it speaks to a bigger question, actually, not only about the Rams, but every team in the NFC. Is there legitimately, I guess, Green Bay, maybe, that you trust completely in the NFC? I mean, there's not every single team in the NFC you can look at and say, there are some really head-scratching losses uh, on their schedule this season. I mean, how, how the Steelers lost to the Washington football team is in the AFC. I get that. But, you know, um, frickin' Minnesota just pounded Green Bay in that game. And then they get destroyed by Tampa Bay. Then Tampa Bay looks great for two weeks. And then they lose a couple of games. And, of course, they got the Falcons. So that's, you know, obviously anybody's coming back against the Falcons. There's just not a team in the NFC that you can trust. And the Rams are just one of those teams in the NFC you can't trust. Yeah, that's my other takeaway from that um, out of that game. It's just like, who do you really feel amazing about? You said it's it's like the Packers, you know, the Saints just lost the Chiefs and the Eagles on Jalen Hurts' yeah. first NFL start. Um, AFC just looking a lot better. I mean, you have the nine and five Ravens right now who yeah. aren't even in the playoffs. They're the A seed right now. They might, not, I think they will, yeah. or they might find a way to sneak in, but I mean, no guarantee. Um, yeah. It'll either be them or, or Miami. Uh, on the outs, even if they might win 10 games. So, uh, but going back to the Jets for a little bit there, I know Stats wanted to talk about this um, for a hot sec here. Like, what becomes of Sam Darnold? Like, does he have a future? Um, What happens with him? Well, it's interesting, right? I think what happened yesterday helps his future with New York. um, uh, Because you know Jacksonville if they get the number. By the way, we, we need to acknowledge what Jacksonville is doing here. Because it's, I think, only happened one other time. In 2001, the Carolina Panthers, with Chris Wenke as their quarterback, won the first game of the season against Minnesota and then lost 15 straight games. <laughs> 15 straight! And now the Jacksonville Jaguars have a chance to match that 19 years later. They won week one and are on the potential to lose 15 straight games after that, which is absolutely impossible. Like I think that's almost worse than going 0-16 because at least – you're like, well, we're just terrible. But you win week one and you have so much optimism. And then the rest of the 15 games on the schedule are just a disaster. So to, to get back to your point, I think the loss, or excuse me, the win rather, helps Sam Darnold. Uh, and maybe, it, maybe it's the best thing in the world that perhaps you try and keep that guy and try and keep building around him. Look, Quinn Williams is a great player. Makai Becton is a great player. Uh, I thought Denzel Mims would be better. I really did. It's been a real struggle for him. But maybe if you keep surrounding Sam with talent on the offensive line and a few more weapons, maybe it's not necessary to get what we all think is going to be the next guy. It's easy to anoint somebody until they play. You know, and, and I understand why everyone would perceive that every box is ticked by Trevor Lawrence, and he could really be the next great thing besides, of course, Patrick Mahomes. Um, but you never know. I mean, it's, it's a crapshoot. I mean, look, look at the five quarterbacks taken in the first round in 2018. Sam is hanging on by a thread. Josh Rosen is just floating in the ether somewhere right now. Uh, the only two really solid hits on those five quarterbacks in the first round uh, would be Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And Baker's doing okay, but they're a run-first team now. Let's be honest. That offense doesn't go through Baker. It goes through that offensive line and Nick Chubb first and foremost, and then we'll throw it around a little bit. So for those five quarterbacks taken in the first round just two years ago, you can only, in my mind, really point to two and say, yep, those two are bonafide for sure going to be great. 
I actually looked at this because I was trying to find a silver lining for the Jets. And I went back the last 10 years. And if you look, there have only really been a couple of times in the last 10 years where the first quarterback taken was the best quarterback in that draft. It happened yeah. with Cam in his year in 2011. 2011. And it happened he was the only one out of that year. Right. And yeah. Kyler in 2019. Yeah. Other than that, the best quarterback has not been the first quarterback drafted. So to me, that is like your hope if you're a Jet fan, that even if you don't get Trevor Lawrence, you you still might end up with the best guy. Yeah, just don't just hope you, that's not Trubisky and somebody else is down the road, right? Well, because, <laughs> I mean, to this day, I mean, that that thing, I mean, they, 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 they moved up one spot and gave up a first-round pick to get Trubisky at two. And then at 10 came Mahomes and at 12 came Deshaun. And I still think there's a, obviously a large gap between Deshaun and Mahomes, but still – you're much better off with either one of those quarterbacks than Mitchell Trubisky at this point. It's a crapshoot, man. That's what makes the draft fun. It's nobody knows. They all think they know, but you really only figure it out four or five years later. And then there's a development and whatnot to count for landing spots, you know, coaches, sure. everything to consider as well. After the fact, um, Trey, I want to get your thoughts on uh, just like doing NFL stories, you know, for ESPN, your former life there. Um, what, what's like one of the biggest things that compels you right now? What is, what is one of the most compelling things going into the playoffs? Well, you know, I, I've said this for a while and, and uh, I, I really believe we're looking at the greatest to ever do it right now in Patrick Mahomes. Um, just give you an example, right? Since he became the starter for the chiefs, nine times they have played a top 10 defense including yesterday when they took on the Saints. They're 9-0 and in those games with, with an average uh, point total of 29 in those wins against top 10 defenses. The Saints could not have played a better game defensively. I mean, they were amazing. They wore out the Chiefs' offensive line, which has been banged up all year. Mitchell Schwartz hasn't been there since week three or week four, and I don't think he's coming back. Um, they were all over Mahomes. They got some big shots on him. And at one point, they were down 14 points. And then they were down, you know, double digits again and a leg, a late drive by breeze made it close. But you know, that game was in the bag once they got up by double digits in the second half, the throw that he made to Sammy Watkins, when he was rolling to his right, Cam Jordan was in his face and hits that guy in stride for a 23 yard game. There, when you watch that on tape in defensive meetings this week, you just wave the white flags. Like <laughs> nothing we can do, man. Then go look at the throw to Mequel Hardman in the corner of the end zone for the mm. touchdown. It was like he was throwing it away, and it was a perfect strike to the only place where Harden could attempt to make a catch out of it. And the catch by Harden was amazing, but the throw was insane. It's insane. I do believe the Chiefs are far and away the best team in football, and I think they're going to do something that hasn't happened since the Patriots of 38 and 39. I do think they're going to repeat, and that's the thing that I'm really looking at going forward because – I mean, Kelsey's not going anywhere. Tyreek's not going anywhere. Eric Bieniemy may be going somewhere, hopefully, at the end of the season. But they're set up, man, for a while. Now, hopefully, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's injury isn't too bad. They said he might possibly be back for the postseason, but that's why you go get Le'Veon Bell. The Chiefs are – they're fun, man, and they're not going anywhere. So, like, I hope people are cool with this because it's going to be this way for a while. My theory on the Chiefs is in order to beat them – you not only have to have Mahomes have an off day, which yeah. rarely ever happens, but you also have to have amazing quarterback play 
from your own team? Because even if Mahomes is off, like we saw in the Dolphin game at first, he'll yeah. figure it out eventually and come back. If you don't have a quarterback that can match that, you have no shot to win against that. You need both of those things. It's like trying to beat the Patriots back in the day. They are at that level. Yeah, they really are. And, you know, when the Patriots were really winning, you know, people people get sort of brainwashed by 2007 when they went 16-0, and that was Bill Belichick's double middle finger to the league for Spygate and all that kind of stuff. F you, try and stop me, whatever. They didn't win the Super Bowl that year. When they won the Super Bowls in 38 and 39, they won every game by six, seven points because at the end of the day, you just expected, okay, this team is really well coached and they have Brady. They're going to make the plays necessary to win. That's who the Kansas City Chiefs are. I mean, look, that you mentioned the game against Miami. There's not another team in football that can go down to Miami, have four turnovers, two inside the five-yard line, uh, and give up a 30-yard sack against that defense and win the game. And the Chiefs went from down 10 to up 20 in about five minutes. That's who they are. I mean, they're, they're on that level right now. And I, I put this out there last night. Okay, the Chiefs went to Baltimore and won. They went to Buffalo and won. They went to Miami and won. They went to Tampa and won. And they went to New Orleans and won. And I get it. It's the road thing is not the same as it normally would be. But what do you want to say? I mean, their loss was an inter, interdivision loss to the Raiders where Derek Carr, to your point, was amazing. Like he played out of his mind. He actually played really well the second time around. But Mahomes said, 148? Now we got plenty of time. We're good. He's an assassin, man. I just, I, I just, I hope people really appreciate what he is because he is a unicorn. He's a freak. He's, he's, he's Yeti, Sasquatch, and the Loch Ness Monster rolled into one. So glad my 49ers took Solomon Thomas instead of drafting him. Uh, you mentioned goats, so I have to get this in because you've worked with both yeah. of these guys. Yeah. I mean, Randy Moss saying that not only is he the greatest receiver of all time, but Jerry Rice is, according to him, third or fourth. Yeah. Just please, for my own sanity, tell me why Randy Moss is horribly, inexplicably, and forever will be wrong. You're 100% right, and I love Randy, but like, I get why everyone wants to put themselves first. Here's the deal, man. The numbers are the numbers. Jerry Rice did it better, longer, than anyone else will ever do it. And you can argue that Randy Moss has more athletic ability and was more freakishly talented. All of that may be true. That doesn't make him a better receiver. That makes him a, a freak show. Jerry Rice did it in an era where we could decapitate quarterbacks <laughs> and give body blows to receivers coming across the league. Do you remember, as a 49er fan, probably, the Olympic hurdler, Ronaldo Skeets, Nehemiah? Yes. The, uh, the uh, 49ers gave him a try because he was really fast. And then he got over the middle and got hit in the ribs three times. He's like, I'm done. Okay, <laughs> that, was the, that was the era in which Jerry Rice set every record known to man. So I have all these people saying, but Randy was this and Randy was that. And he was. He was all of those things. But you know what makes you the best? Doing it the best for the longest time in an era where you could get the crap beat out of you as a wide receiver. It's not a debate. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. Jerry Rice was voted the best football player of all time a few years ago. Not the best wide receiver, the best football player of all time. It's not even close. See, now I just feel better because I, I was losing my I'm here mind. for you, Stats. I'm here for you. <laughs> you know, because Jerry retired a long time ago now, and there yeah. are people that forget. And it's like, yeah. no, like you can't 
Ugh, it just drives me nuts. You have to get one of those guys on Half Forgotten History and just please set Randy Moss straight. Like, just te- like we, I know you can text them. Like, Randy, what yeah, are you doing? Yeah. We, uh, I can promise you that those things are in place and you might hear about that very shortly. Ah, see, dropping a little news on the pod. Thank you very much, sir. We, uh, we appreciate the time, Trey. Again, the podcast is Half Forgotten History. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find it. Thanks for joining us. You guys, always fun. Stats, good to see you, man. Be well, okay? Be safe. Our thanks again to Trey Wingo. Had a lot of fun doing that, BLG. But now it's time to break down the playoff picture in the AFC. We start at the top with Kansas City. They are the one seed at 13-1. and one. Buffalo is next at 11-3. and three. They win the tiebreak over the Steelers because they beat them a few weeks ago. Steelers at 3. 4 is Tennessee, followed by Cleveland at 5. Indianapolis at 6. The Dolphins are 7, the final playoff seed in the AFC. And the Ravens and the Raiders are, quote, in the hunt, as they say. Ravens 8, Raiders 9. But while the Steelers are hanging on at 3 right now, they may not be there long. They could keep falling. Yeah, I mean, they could fall all the way down here. I mean... I certainly think the the way things are trending, it's there's a decent chance that the Browns end up winning the the AFC North, which would be crazy. And you know, it's a year where home field advantage matters less than ever, with no fans being in the stands here. But still, I mean, just dropping down here, uh, not great for the Steelers. Um, also, really not great that we're going to see one of these two teams here. Uh, you know, with the Dolphins at number seven right now at nine and five and, and the Ravens at nine and five, like one of those teams isn't going to make the playoffs, probably. I mean, unless the Colts just fall out of this thing, but I don't think that's going to happen either. Uh, kind of disappointing. If you had to pick a playoff team in the AFC that you most wanted to face, it's probably Miami because they have the inexperienced quarterback. But I mean, with the way Pittsburgh's playing right now, if I was a team in the AFC, I would not be upset about having to play them in the first round. Yeah, no. So, so you know, let's say they stick at three somehow. Um, they're playing the Colts. That'd be the Colts in the first round for them. And I, I think the Colts feel pretty good about that. Um, I don't think they're scared of Pittsburgh at all. Um, and then if they drop, uh, depending how it goes here, maybe they drop down to five, let's say, then it could be the Titans, you know, who are hosting the Steelers in Tennessee. And, uh, and Pittsburgh, you know, beat the Tennessee earlier this year, but I mean, the way Derrick Henry is is going right now and the way uh, the Titans actually lead the NFL in scoring right now, they have the most points scored in the league. Uh, I don't think the Steelers offense is keeping up with that this time around. I saw an incredible stat about Ryan Tannehill since we're talking about the Titans, and this is from the NFL on CBS. Since taking over 24 games ago, Ryan Tannehill has a better quarterback rating than Patrick Mahomes. He has more total touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes and the same number of interceptions as Patrick Mahomes. He has 61 total touchdowns in 24 games for the Titans. That is insanely good. I really have to start redefining what I think of Ryan Tannehill. He's absolutely crushing it. Yeah, he's been good. Like, I mean, now obviously there's some stuff to consider here. Like having Derrick Henry certainly helps a lot because that guy is a freaking beast. <laughs> he's he's tearing it up down the stretch. I don't want to say, you know, Tannehill's only a product of that, but that's certainly, you know, it's it certainly helps to have that guy to hand the ball off to and kind of take the pressure off Tannehill's arm and kind of make it, you know, it's not like he's carrying the team every week and, and nothing else is going right for him, but he's executing in that system. And that's why we're seeing like Arthur Smith, you know, the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, get a lot of hype for a head coach job because that offense is rolling 
And uh, yeah, Tannehill has been great. And I think the Titans are going to be, you know, I, I, you know, I still don't think they're going to get past the Chiefs and maybe not even past the Bills in that AFC playoff picture. But I mean, they're going to be tough, man. They were tough last year, you know, when they got to the, the AFC championship game and they were up on the Chiefs in Kansas City. And I think it's going to be kind of similar this year where like, they're just going to be a tough team. Derrick Henry's going to be tough to stop in the playoffs. They're not going down without a fight. I totally agree with you. They have a ground game they can rely on, which is always good in the playoffs. It's always good in a weather situation, too. You never know what you're going to have to face there. They have really good situational head coaching with Mike Vrabel. I think he's one of the best in the league. They are going to be a huge pain in the ass. And by the way, how much fun would a Tennessee-Buffalo playoff game be? That would be awesome. Josh Allen's going to be chucking it all over the place. Like That could be just one, one of those wild card games that, that we like never forget. I'd really like to see that. I'm also looking at it here. You know, let's say the Ravens do sneak in and the Dolphins don't make it. And as we've kind of talked about before, I don't think the Dolphins have any reason to hang their heads. If they end up being on the outside, looking in on this thing, like they're ahead of schedule in the rebuild. Now, obviously you're here, you know, you want to get there because you're, you're right there. Um, but if they don't, and it's the Ravens who sneak in stats, it would be that Bill's, uh, hosting the Ravens in that first uh, wild card matchup there, two versus seven, and man, I don't, I really don't like that matchup from Buffalo. Like the Ravens getting hot coming into the playoffs here. I mean, I, the Bills have looked good. Uh, I don't, you know, I, they should feel good about where they are. But man, like that's not a team I want to play in the first round. Uh, that would be an incredible game. Giving the quarterbacks running all over the place. Yeah, Baltimore seems to be peaking at the right time, and. On the flip side of that, I mean, all year we've been saying Lamar Jackson's got to win a playoff game. He's got to win a playoff game. If they have to face the Bills in round one and Lamar Jackson doesn't win, like, I can't really knock him for that. The Bills are awesome right now. You know, like, we're going to – that's what will happen if he loses. Even if he throws for 400 yards and scores five touchdowns, like, it won't matter. People will still ding him. But, like, <laughs> that would be an incredible, an incredibly hard luck draw for Lamar Jackson to have to play Buffalo in round one. Yeah, and in fairness to Lamar, he's not playing in the NFC. So it's not like he's playing. In a, I think he might have a playoff win by now if he's playing in the NFC, as as we've talked about here. The conference is just totally different. I mean, all these teams in the NFC, except for really the Steelers, you know, obviously, who we've already talked about kind of falling off here. And then the Colts, too, I guess. Like, I mean, they're quality, but, you know, I don't, I don't think uh, – the Colts are kind of more of an NFC team, I would say, in terms of <laughs> playoff quality. They kind of more belong in that tier as opposed to, you know, these Chiefs, these Bills, these Titans, even these Browns. Um, you want to throw the Ravens in there as they're getting hot. Uh, yeah, I, I think it would be, uh, you know, interesting. If, if the, I think Lamar Jackson might have a playoff win by now if he was in the NFC. Oh, yeah. I mean, the AFC is, I think it's by far the superior conference, and they are set up to have a run of dominance there. I mean, look at the young quarterbacks in the AFC. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Baker. Tannehill is still not an old man by any stretch of the imagination. you got Lamar, Tua with the Dolphins possibly. Justin Herbert, if he ever gets a little more support around him, you know, and an actual head coach that knows what the hell he's doing. Deshaun Watson in Houston. Like, the AFC is loaded with quarterbacks, and the NFC is kind of the old guard. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. The, the AFC is set up to have another run of dominance in the playoffs and beyond. 
Yeah, I mean, even like some of these younger teams uh, in the NFC, like you know Kyler Murray, we don't know exactly what he is yet. I think there's there's promise there in the future, um, but like Washington doesn't even have a quarterback, <laughs> and they might be in the playoffs with Alex Smith, uh, the Rams, Jared Goff. I mean, I think Michael Kiss put it well on Monday Football Monday. Like Jared Goff's floor is losing to the Jets, the winless Jets. Like that's his floor. <laughs> it's a really bad floor to have. Um, so yeah, there's there's certainly just more hope and upside. Uh, in the AFC, especially, and even maybe more so with, I mean, it's either the Jets who just blew their draft positioning or the Jaguars who are going to be adding Trevor Lawrence in there. Or, and both of those guys are going to be adding quarterbacks, presumably. Uh, so there, there could be even more talent on the way in that conference. I agree. The AFC is by far the superior conference, but let's go to the NFC. And this is something that Trey Wingo said. Everybody has warts in the NFC. There is, despite how good teams have looked at times, anybody could lose to anybody basically at any time. I mean, I was really down on Tampa Bay and they get down big to Atlanta and shocker of all shockers, Tom Brady comes back against Atlanta and they get another win. Like literally anything could happen in the NFC playoffs and I wouldn't be surprised. And I know you don't want to give the Buccaneers any credit because you've been down on them all year. I don't stats. I messaged you yesterday in the Slack I wanted to come on this podcast and bring out my the actually TB Buccaneers that actually stands for the Brooklyn Buccaneers, hearkening uh, back to the Brooklyn Nets, the first version of that team that was all hype and no real substance. I mean, they're still a playoff team, um, but you know they're not actually a championship contender. And I still feel that way about the Bucs. I mean, just because you come back and beat the Falcons, who lose to everyone when they're up, uh, doesn't prove all of a sudden that they're back. And even listening to Monday Football Monday, uh, Monday and having Evan Winter on there, uh, he's pretty concerned as a Bucks fan about the team still. So uh, still concerns down there in Florida. Um, looking at the rest of the conference here, I thought it was really interesting that, like, I almost feel like the Saints should have just kept resting Drew Brees, right? Like, once they lost to the Eagles and they realized, like, okay, we're probably not going to win the number one seed now. And they needed it more than anyone, as we've been talking about. Like at that point, just rest him because that I feel like that's what matters most. Like is his health, right? They're in the playoffs. Like they don't have to worry about that. So it's not like, oh well, we could fall out of this thing. Like you're going to make the playoffs, and you're not going to get the one seed. So, but this with with a buy not being possible this year because of the rule change, I kind of agree with you. Dude had eleven broken ribs. I didn't even know you. We had eleven ribs, and he's broken eleven ribs. Like. That is not something that you come back from in a few weeks. I'm sorry. Like, I don't think he's 100% at all. And so now you're going to get to this point where you're going to go forward with, you're saying basically that Drew Brees at 70%, 80%, whatever percentage you want to put him at is better than Taysom Hill. Do you agree with that? No. And I mean, they. I think they didn't they even want Jameis Winston to be the backup in the game. But like... He, he had to go on the COVID list, so he wasn't available. And then that made Taysom the backup, um, which is just a really strange quarterback situation. It's like we don't want Jameis Winston to start for us, but we want him to be the guy to come in off the bench, not Taysom exactly. Hill, even though we're going to start But Taysom, Taysom Hill is going to be the next Steve Young, according to Sean Payton. <laughs> yeah. So. so, I mean, this is it for the Saints, though. I mean, this is probably their final run here. So I, I just, like, I really don't know what they're doing. Like, it doesn't feel like they're they're handling this the smartest way. You know, they lose the Chiefs now. Um, yeah, and, and this year more than ever, there's no fans in the stands. So it's not like having a home field, like having home field matters less than ever in the playoffs. Like they should be playing, they should have been playing this super conservative with Drew Brees kept him out as long as they possibly can until the playoffs, basically given, you know, Brees this long layoff 
and now they really can't um or, or they haven't so uh i think that's pretty dumb and the thing with the saints like they put michael thomas on ir so you felt like yeah they they get it right like they're gonna rest him up he'll be back for the playoffs and they'll be good but they're throwing breeze back there and i don't know if maybe breeze got a little antsy watching Taysom hill play and maybe he was like hey i gotta get back out there i mean i don't know what what the logic was but okay so breeze is back there and taking a bunch of extra hits in games that essentially aren't going to matter that much as we get to the playoffs. So the Seahawks move up uh, back in the NFC West lead stats because the Rams, as we talked about, lost to the Jets, which is just beyond pathetic. And I had to drop the Rams out of the top 10. I'm like, like how, can, how can I have them as a top 10 team still after losing to the Jets? So uh, they're down to the number five seed in the NFC playoff picture. Now, if you want to galaxy brain this, you could be like the Rams lost on purpose so they could drop down to the five seed so they can play the NFC East winner. I mean, I don't actually believe that. I think that's very silly. Um, th- but that's like the, the most silver of linings you could possibly take away from that loss. And uh, it'll be interesting this week because we have Seattle versus the Rams uh, for the second time this season. And if the Seahawks win, they clinch that division and we'll be in good spot. Yeah, I'm not giving the Rams that much credit. The Rams have five losses this year. Three of them have come to either the 49ers or the Jets, which is just ridiculous. Um, But the Rams own the Seahawks, so they very well could win the game this week. And then all of a sudden, people are going to jump back on the Rams train. Um, But I just, it's Jared Goff. Like, I have zero confidence that Jared Goff is going to pilot this team through the NFC. If he doesn't have Sean McVay holding his hand, like, he's just not good enough. I'm sorry. And you can't convince me that if Sean, if I could wave a magic wand and get Sean McVay out of that contract, he would rip my arm off to get that wand and start flailing around like he was trying to land a plane on an aircraft carrier. Yeah, I mean, the defense is going to give them a chance in the playoffs, obviously. Like, I'm not ready to write the Rams obituary right now and say they have no chance. I am. To, to, even, to win a playoff it. game. They don't even have a chance to win a playoff. I mean, unless they play Washington, I don't think they're winning. Okay. Well, I, I have said I think the NFC East winner will win a playoff game because that, that feels only right. That's like, oh, haha, you know, they shouldn't even be in the playoffs. Like, they're totally going to – and they're going to use that. Whatever team makes that, uh, wins that spot, it's totally going to use that as extra, you know, underdog motivation, whatever. So, uh, Washington is an interesting spot, Stats, because um, they got down 20-3, to you know, against the Seahawks. And it's like, all right, it kind of looked like uh, it was over. And really, if they had won that game, they would have eliminated the Eagles from contention, but they lost. And I really didn't feel good about them. Like, so early in the week, I saw uh, Washington was getting, I think, six and a half or five and a half points. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that a lot. But then I saw Alex Smith was rolled out and Dwayne Haskins was playing. I was like, I suddenly don't like that. Now they still covered, but and Haskins looked a little better at the end there. But I, I just don't really feel good about Washington here. They have Carolina this week. I don't think that's a lock. Like I don't think it's a lock. They win that game. They're favored, I think, by two points. I think you know they should win that game, but you know I, I don't think it's a guarantee, especially if Haskins is in there. So uh, winner of the NFC East still up for grabs, and I don't think it'll be the Rams actually in that fifth spot if you look at it. Uh, remaining schedules here, you know, the Rams still have to play the Seahawks 
as I mentioned. Um, and then they get the Cardinals in week 17 here. So those are still two tough games while the Bucks finish up a little bit easier here uh, with the Lions and the Falcons. So I think it would actually be the Bucks in that number five spot, which could actually be nice. I mean, we'll see. Again, I said I think the NFC East winner will actually win a playoff game. So I'm not going to just assume the Bucks are going to beat that, whoever it is, even if it's Washington. Um, but it could work out favorably for Tom Brady facing that team as opposed to, uh, I don't know, a, a theoretically tougher team like the Saints, who they've struggled with. Were you just trying to line it up so that your two takes would be proven right in one game where the NFC East winner could beat the Bucks in the playoff game, and then that would just ultimately vindicate you? That is actually perfect. Yeah, that would be great, <laughs> right? I'd be super right then. I was like, this Bucks team is a joke. They couldn't even beat the NFC East winner. Yeah, let's make it happen. Speaking of super right, I have to give you credit because I thought I was going to surpass you in the survivor picks. And unfortunately, fate did not help me out. You picked the Chiefs over the Saints. That is a win for you. You are now 10 and 4. I had the Packers over the Panthers. That is a win for me. I am 9 and 5. I cannot catch you. This is infuriating to me. I've even defaulted now to picking the easiest possible game to try and catch up, and it is still not working. Look, my strategy paid off. Uh, I feel good about it. I took the Chiefs last week, but hey. I didn't take them till week 15. So I feel like that's, you know, that's pretty fair of me to like to wait the whole season to take them. You know, I could have taken them a lot earlier. I had many times to take them. I really should just not taken them at all because that'd be really even more impressive if I didn't do that. But, uh, but I did and I feel good about it. And uh, this week's stats, are you ready for my pick? Let me brace myself. Okay, let's go. Lay it on me. All right, so I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens, who we talked about earlier. I mean, they're fighting for that playoff spot. They're looking a lot better. Lamar is looking a lot better. That offense looked kind of just disjointed and I want to say fully broken, but closer to that than certainly functioning at times earlier this year. I think they're really hitting their stride. The Giants, meanwhile, you know, they're just not, you know, they had that nice little run there. They beat the Seahawks. I think they'd what, won four games in a row at one point, but they've been coming, crashing back down to earth. Um, Daniel Jones hasn't been healthy. I mean, even if he comes back, I still think he's dealing with that hamstring. I just don't trust that. Colt McCoy, I don't trust that. I do trust Baltimore's offense and Lamar Jackson right now. I'm going to take the Ravens to, you know, further increase my lead, hopefully. There is absolutely nothing I can say to criticize that pick. And believe me, I tried to think of one while you were talking. But yeah, I agree. I was sort of disappointed by how the Giants have finished up because I really thought that they might show us something kind of like the Dolphins did last year. But they just haven't followed through. And I know Daniel Jones has been hurt. Yep. And that that doesn't help. But disappointing end to the season for the Giants. I totally get you taking the Ravens. That makes perfect sense to me. I'm also going to make an easy pick this week, and it's a Saturday game, and you're not going to be able to see this game unless you have Amazon Prime, and that's the Cardinals and my 49ers because there is no way, no way the 49ers are going to beat the Cardinals this week. Arizona has everything in the world to play for. San Francisco has nothing in the world to play for. San Francisco has a quarterback that cannot stop turning the football over. He has six straight games with an interception. He's made 16 career starts. He has 25 turnovers in those starts. 
And in nine of them, he has multiple turnovers. No matter how good the Niners defense plays, no matter how good the rest of the offense is, no matter how good Kyle Shanahan's game plan is, Nick Mullins will not allow the 49ers to be successful. I will take the Cardinals, and I don't even have to watch the game to know that it's going to work out. I'm picking the Cardinals in the survivor pick. I'm picking the Cardinals to cover the spread. I would pick the Cardinals no matter what the spread was in this game because Nick Mullins will not let the 49ers function. No Boxing Day miracle for the Cardinals here, or for the 49ers here, rather. Um, yeah, I stats, I've, I've been watching Nick Mullins. I saw him against the Cowboys, and uh, I, I thought it was so crazy last week that the 49ers were favored by three and a half in Dallas. I'm like, this is a free money. Why? I mean, even if <laughs> even if the 49ers somehow won, it wasn't going to be more than three points. So, uh, yeah, I, I totally, you know, you, you know him best. I, I like that pick. Although I will say the Cardinals – um, to, to kind of touch on them, look, so they're the seventh seed. You know, they're not some, some you know, great team in the NFC and, and a conference that has problems. Wasn't, like, super, super impressed with them in this Eagles game. I mean, the Eagles had a chance to win that game. If Dallas Goddard doesn't drop potential game-winning touchdown, I mean, maybe they steal the win. I, I thought Kyler Murray just kind of looked too inconsistent still. Now, you know, they have DeAndre Hopkins. That kind of helps a lot, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to put up a fight whoever they play in the first round, they're not going to get blown out or something here, but I just, they're not ready to go on a run. They're just, they're really not. I still think they have a lot of weaknesses here and Kyler's inconsistency being one of them. Cliff Kingsbury being too conservative again, being an issue. Uh, yes. Another so, pit of misery resident. Yes. Uh, oh, I have another team for you, by the way, stats transitioning out of there. One, one last thing. I, I want to throw in the pit of misery, pit of misery, the new England Patriots, because they're the biggest losers ever. They didn't even make the playoffs. I mean, what team doesn't make the playoffs? So, uh, Patriots fans, it's all over. It's all coming crashing down. There's no reason to be happy at all. Everything <laughs> in the past, whatever many years, totally meaningless and futile. You're in the pit of misery. You're losers. Goodbye. You realize none of that takes away all those Lombardi trophies they have, right? They lost the Super Bowl to Nick Foles and Eli Manning. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Think about that. The greatest dynasty that we have ever seen does not have three more Super Bowls because they lost to Nick Foles and Eli Manning twice. And they cheated, and they still couldn't beat those guys. So <laughs> Patriots in the pit of misery, where you belong. I mean, it's not even – look – it's week 16. There's still two weeks to go, and they're eliminated. They couldn't even make it to week 17. It's, it's just pretty pathetic, honestly. I, I think that's a good place to end it, quite frankly. I can't top that. Um, I, I think that you are not alone in that there are many NFL fans rejoicing around the league that at least we don't have to see the Patriots somehow in the playoffs again. I am a little interested to see what Bill Belichick does with like a full off season. Cause usually like they're playing to the friggin' super bowl every year. So I wonder, you know, if this might ultimately be better for them in the long run, but you know, we'll see. I'm still not on board with those people that are trying to say Bill Belichick is an average head coach without Tom Brady. Like I am not there for that. All right, BLG, anything you want to leave our gentle listeners as uh Michael kiss likes to say, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everyone. You know, this is our final show before the big day at the end of this week. Uh, big days, you know, to all of the celebrating out there. So uh, thanks for being with us here this season. We'll have playoff coverage for you. We'll have off-season coverage for you after the season here. 
Um, so a lot of good stuff coming on the way on the SB Nation NFL show feed. You can listen to The Book Ahead with Stats and RJ later this week. I'm sure that'll be great. I always listen. Um, so go check that all out. Rate, review, subscribe. Leave us uh, reviews that we can read here on the show. And, of course, we will talk to you next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.